Uh, one more time. Uh, I'm Jerry Kramer. I'm a trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her. <laughs> Take two. Hiya. I'm Jerry Kramer. I'm a trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Sarah Kramer. I'm a cis woman, and my pronouns are also she, her. Welcome to Meet the Kramers. How's it going? Pretty good. I think this week has been uneventful. In a good way. In a great way. I am excruciatingly tired. Yesterday, I partook in some coffee and a chocolate chip cookie, and I went maximum overload caffeine. I I couldn't control my body because the caffeine hit me so hard. There's a video of it on my Instagram, <laughs> just losing my shit. And so what that meant was last night when I went to bed, I didn't fall asleep till three in the morning. And so I feel like a zombie today. I've had a couple naps. Hopefully I can get it together while we're talking, but... You seem like you're all here. Do I? Yeah. Okay. Thank you all so much for connecting with us um, through our email at info at meetthekramers.net and also sending us DMs and messages on our Instagram at meetthekramers. It's so nice to hear from people, especially people who are really resonating with the podcast because we just kind of throw it out into the universe. And then it's super cool to think that there's just people actually all over the world, because we can look at our analytics and see that there's people all over the world listening to us. And it's really cool. And we got a really nice letter from Sam, who lives in Australia. And we just want to read a little excerpt of that letter because it was so sweet. I'll read it. Go for it, my baby. Sam writes, Jerry, I want to say thank you for being open about your story and shame around coming to terms with your identity and confusing it with sexuality. It must have been so hard for you to say the words, but please know that they resonate around the world. I know I will not be the only person who feels this way. I remember the burning, nausea-inducing shame. I was so shameful that I experimented by myself in secret, shutting my wife out. I am so looking forward to hearing more of your stories and life together. When the last episode finished, I actually shouted out, no, (laughs) I wasn't ready for it to be finished. So keep them coming and stay safe. I hear Canada is having another lockdown. Sending lots of queer love, Sam. Oh, Sam. Thank you so much for your letter. It was so sweet. I hope we don't go into another lockdown. Let's not talk about it. If we don't talk about it, it'll never happen. Is that the way it works? Yeah. Okay. Like how we didn't talk about your being trans Shh. for 25 years? Shh. How did that work? <laughs> One of the other things that we're hearing from listeners is that a lot of people are resonating with your inner saboteur that you've named Jamie. It seems to be helping. I can't imagine it wouldn't because it was a light bulb moment for me. Me too. And when it when we finally put a name and a face to this transphobic inner saboteur. Yeah. It actually helps me a lot because a lot of times, you know, well, I work from home. A lot, I spend a lot of time by myself. So uh, I'm spending a lot of time with my inner thoughts. <laughs> and because I can't really go anywhere because of pandemic stuff. Uh, it's a lot of alone time. My personal Jamie goes a little overboard. But now I have this little tool where I'm just like, 
Jamie. What are you doing here? You're not allowed in the house, Jamie. Helps me. So we'd love to hear more about your inner saboteur and what their names are. Uh, send us an email at info at meetthecramers.net or just send us a message on Insta. So thanks to everybody for reaching out. We love hearing from you. I've been noticing that we are laughing a lot more than usual. Do you think it's because you're funnier now or something? <laughs> because I don't remember you being this funny. I think it's because... I'm not walking on eggshells anymore. And it's not that you were a super grumpy person, but there were times when you were moody and times when you were not funny or into like funny joy stuff. But now that you're out, and also now that we're doing this podcast and just sort of releasing all of our story, because that's how I'm looking at this is like we're, we're purging the past. We're sharing it with the world for anybody who might find it helpful so that we can move forward and move into this new phase of our lives. So now I feel like it's 90% fun and 10% Jamie. <laughs> but we are laughing way more than usual. I think we just both feel lighter. Right. What do you feel like? I think you're funnier somehow. I don't know what happened. Well, also you're on hormones. And it might be the hormones. It's really easy to make you laugh so hard that you start to cry. And I enjoy it. <laughs> it's so mean. <laughs> Sometimes you get me laughing so hard. That you just start sobbing. And I don't even know if I'm <laughs> laughing or crying. But I regret, uh, I regret that we didn't figure it out sooner because I kind of feel like we shouldn't have had to live so long with you walking on eggshells. But it's not like that. Like we've had an awesome life and I've had so much fun. But there have been times when the darkness has taken over you that I just had to tread a little lighter than usual. But I don't feel like it's like that anymore. And listen, regret can kill your spirit. So you can make a choice. You can let the regret drag you down or you can learn from it and just have an awesome life. That's my attitude. I like it. I've been accused of um, toxic positivity before. but You have? Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see why someone might say that. Since I've been a very small child and maybe it's like a coping mechanism, I just, when terrible things are happening, I look for the light because it's so easy for me to go to the dark place. And so I need something to cling on to. And so I try and spin the positive whenever I can. It doesn't mean I don't sit in the pain because I do, but I don't want to be a bitter person. I don't want to have all my relationships be clouded by something that happened in the past. So if that's toxic positivity, well, eat a sandwich. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Eat a sandwich. <laughs> I think you are funnier. I also think that getting Botox in my jaw has made me a happier person. I am no longer walking around with this tightness in my face and my neck. I mean, it's not 100% yet, but I do feel lighter. We think we should record these podcasts when we're walking the dog because we really do have the best conversations when we're outside walking side by side. I think we do all of our podcast research while we're walking. We like, what are we going to, how are we going to, what are we, what's this going to be? I think a lot of times we have the conversation that maybe we should have now. Well, we keep, when we're walking and talking, I'm like, save it for the podcast. So last night... I actually recorded us talking because we were talking about something that we're going to talk about today. And then I kind of transcribed it down just so that we have some notes. 
Before we start the podcast, I would love to hear about the voice appointment that you had with the, what are they called? A voice specialist? Yeah, our coach, vocal, vocal coach. When I first decided to come out, I discovered through Transcare BC that they offer a program called Changing Keys, which is a voice feminization program that you can sign up for. And it uh, it used to be a group setting. You would go once a week and do a group vocal thing. And this was December 2019 when I had signed up for it. Before you even came out. I thought, I better get on this because it's going to take a while. I just contacted the teacher directly and booked an appointment with her to do it as soon as possible, which ended up being literally like three days before the lockdown, the first lockdown. But basically, it's just a program. It's, I don't think it's very long, six six classes, and they are going to teach me um, a bunch of tools about raising my pitch or changing my resonance, uh, like a starter kit on how to change your voice, if that's something you want to do, which I'm not 100%. It is. You said the other day when you finished your Zoom class that one of the things that you learned was that men speak out of their chest and women speak out of their throats. Or right? More of their heads. Oh, their heads. Yeah. And I don't I don't totally understand it, but now that I know it, I can really feel my voice in my chest. Yeah, I can hear it right now. I'm hoping to kind of teach myself not to do that, but we'll see. Well, well, we'll have to update everybody about that. I think if they're listening, they'll notice. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Wearing my man suit that I had worn for most of my life, it wasn't fitting me anymore. And it was so depressing to get dressed up for work and spend my day like that every single day in my man suit was getting harder and harder. And that's when I knew I needed to come out. When I finally got on board and decided, just like decided, decided I was trans, coming out is just obviously the next step. I had no idea how I was going to do it. And I really, really kind of settled on this. I'm going to medically transition for a year or two in secret because I don't want to tell anybody. Why? I was so afraid. I was so afraid because, and this is like, a, uh, this, this doesn't sound great. It, it's hard to say. I was afraid I was going to look trans. Looking back now, it seems like that's a really laughable thing to be afraid of because what the fuck does trans look like? Trans looks like everybody. I didn't want to be kind of femme. I didn't want to do the transition in public. I just wanted to push a button and be fully transitioned, female form. Which is also like such a problematic way to say that because when I started, that was also my female form. But that's just a little internalized transphobia. Yes, it is. And it doesn't work that way. But because I thought I might do the first part of my transition in secret, I was like, the first thing to do is start hormone replacement therapy because it takes a long time. And I wanted to get it going. I know that both you and my therapist were reminding me, I want to say daily, but maybe like probably daily, that I could go slow. I didn't have to rush and there was no, um, there's no pressure to barrel through it and that I should enjoy every single little moment and not be in a rush to get to the end. But honestly, I had waited long enough. So another thing that shocked me, because you always procrastinate when it comes to your um, health stuff and self-care, is you you booked an appointment with the GP to discuss seeing an endo and... Oh my God, endocrinologists. 
What was that conversation like when you went and saw the GP? Uh, it was easier than I thought. And I said, I'm a trans woman and I want to start hormone replacement therapy. And she said, I guess I'll send you to an endocrinologist. Were you scared? That's the third person in the whole world that you had told. Were you freaking out in the waiting room or was it like, did you have a plan? I was scared. Yes, I was freaking out. I didn't have much of a plan at all. Uh, but I knew at the doctor, I was just going to say something about being trans. I had to tell the receptionist when I made the appointment that I was there to talk about hormone replacement therapy. So they must have, you know, they have those little clipboards with all the writing. I'm sure it was written on the sheet in front of them. Uh, was Jamie with you at the doctor's office? Like, did he tell you the doctor was going to laugh at you or, or mistreat you? Um, he was probably there when I was booking the appointment. Um, but I don't think he came with me to it. I think he was fairly retreated into my brain. But trans people traditionally have a lot of gatekeeping and roadblocks put in front of them in regards to navigating healthcare. And I wasn't sure if this one was going to be my first. Our actual GP was on holiday. So I saw a woman doctor who was seeing his patients while he was away. And since I'm way more comfortable talking to women, um, that helped a lot. When she and when she, So when she came to the office and I, I just said, I'm a trans woman and I want to go on hormone replacement therapy. And then I had to wait three weeks to see an endocrinologist. I now know that a lot of trans people have to wait years before they see a specialist at all. I honestly don't know how I got in so quickly, but I'm so grateful that I did. And then during all of this, you were still putting on your, what we call a man suit and going to work, but it didn't take you long for you to want, like for you to want to come out. Why did you feel all this pressure to come out quickly? I hated the man suit. I had no intention coming out to the world. I was so afraid for our business, but I felt like I needed to tell the people I worked with so that I could start dressing a little bit more femme because I... I knew that most of my clientele probably wouldn't notice, but because I work with all those women, I know they notice every little thing. I didn't want to, I didn't want to risk anything until they knew something. So we decided to tell them, but we wanted to do it one at a time because um, it didn't seem like it, it should be like a staff meeting. Uh, it just kind of felt like this is more of a friend thing. The first person that we decided to tell was one of the artists who's worked with us the longest um, and her partner. She's queer and has a big queer chosen family. And it felt like it would be the softest place to land with my first big reveal. So when we went out that night, we went to a show and then we both, you and I both knew that you were going to tell her about your transition at the end of the night. So what was it like going to that show? You knew what was coming at the end of it. It must have been really stressful. It was so stressful. I was a nervous wreck. I felt, I think I felt sick the whole night. I had no idea what I was going to say. I felt really positive that they were going to receive everything well. But, you know, Jamie is pretty persuasive when he gets going. So he was, he was in my ear a lot. So after the show, we asked them if they could chat with us for a few minutes about something. I think I said, like, don't worry, it's nothing bad. We just have to talk to you about something, you two alone. And then we said goodbye to the rest of the group. And they gave us a ride back to our car. And we sat in the parking lot behind the tattoo shop. And the energy in the car was very, like, pins and needles. Like, everyone was very nervous. And I I think maybe, I mean, we have to ask them, but I think they thought that there was bad news coming. But what, what did you say to them? I don't remember. 
when I think back to the that night in that car, it's like a scene in a movie after a bomb goes off and there's just ringing and everything's in slow motion. I can see, I can see everyone's faces, but I cannot hear any sounds. Just a just a quiet ringing. I can see them talking, but I can't hear the words. I think I remember you saying, "I think I'm trans," and then you stopped yourself and you took a pause and you said, "No, I am trans." And then you kept talking and then the dark clouds just lifted. And then there was just like love bouncing around in the car everywhere. And I think we talked for like 40 minutes or something. I don't know what it felt like for you, but for me, it felt like a little bit of the air had been let out of the balloon. There was just like 5% less pressure. Uh, What was it like for you? It was just really, really scary because now it was official. It was slightly out of my control. I had asked them not to tell anyone and I knew they would honor that. Then I told her that I would be telling everyone at work. So the next week, I slowly let the other artists know about what was going on with me. It was really nice. They were all really cool about it, and there were some happy tears. And I asked them all to keep it to themselves. I'm sure they all told their partners. I'm sure I said that was okay. But I asked them just to please keep my secret because I was terrified of it getting out. And so that was when I thought we were done. I thought, I did it. I came out to the girls at work. And now I can transition in secret like I want to. But then I realized as I was working with them that I wasn't out of the closet at all. I had just brought all of them in with me. And it was so unfair. I'd been doing it my whole life. Now they had to struggle with gendering me incorrectly to some people. And then she hurt among themselves. It I felt so bad about it. Like I could see them trying to navigate it and they were being so great with me, but you could tell it was a lot of work. And I figured almost immediately that I was just going to have to do the whole thing, come up to the whole world. Just rip off the Band-Aid. Just rip it off. So we came up with like a a coming out plan because, you know, the Kramers love a plan. The way we planned it was sort of like a ripple in a pond when you throw a rock in it. So each circle represented like a new group. So the inner circle was the people that you saw every day. That was the artists at the shop and everyone that we work with. And then the next circle was our family. And then the next circle was our chosen family. And then the next circle was your clientele, which meant we decided that we were going to come out on the internet and just wave our trans flag proudly and just see what happened. And Yeah, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to come out to everyone in my life and not to the world on the internet because I didn't want to have to come out to every single client as they came through the shop and watch them process it. Right. I just wanted to put it out there to the world and say, hey, this is a problem. Fuck you. We're just waving our trans flag and if you don't like it, lump it. I did tell the people I work with about my transitioning in person because it felt safe to do that. And then something funny happened when I did. I suddenly realized I could express myself and I decided to get my septum pierced, which is something I have always wanted. They all got so excited when I mentioned it and we made a little girl's trip over to the piercing shop. It was exactly what you would expect. It was exactly what I wanted. It was exactly what I needed. I felt like I was in a group of girlfriends and I was so nervous. They were holding my hand and telling me it was going to be okay. They helped me choose this like super fucking sparkly. Septum uh, ring. I don't know. What you, like it's so, it's all diamond covered. It's beautiful. It was so affirming for me to have them 
they're like that. They probably don't even know how special it was for me. But when I look in the mirror with this fabulous jewelry, I just thought, God, I look so beautiful. And I could really see like a, like a glimmer of where I was heading. When you came home with your nose ring, you're like, I got my nose pierced. I was like, what? You didn't even tell me. It was, you were so pumped. You were so excited. So the next little ripple in our pond was telling our immediate family. And let me go back and say that with our plan, we decided to do it in ripples so there wouldn't be like a gigantic dump of emotions because we weren't sure what some of the reactions would be. Some of our family is older, some are rednecks, et cetera, et cetera. And so we thought if we did it in small batches, it felt like we could deal with whatever happened with those few people, take some time to process before we moved on to the next ripple. And it just felt like it would be less overwhelming. Like you didn't want to tell your family, uh, especially your immediate family in person, how, how come? I had a lot of anxiety about it. And my big thing is that I don't want to watch people process my transness in real time. I want them to have a like a moment. So we had, we both decided that a nicely structured email would be best. I would explain what's happening. And then they could take their time to process everything before they felt like they had to respond. I kind of felt like it was best for both sides, but it was especially best for me. Yeah, because with your coming out, my priority was how you were feeling. And I know for myself that I also didn't want to be in the room while I saw my family figure out their feelings because I do know that sometimes people's first reaction is not always their best uh, with any kind of news. And so... It's not because that's necessarily how they feel. Sometimes it's just a panic response, but it's hard to remember that and not take those things personally. And also that we felt like going back and forth and having a long discussion or answering a million questions about your transition was not something that we were quite ready to do yet because you were still a fragile trans baby and I was still a fragile ally. Like we were just, we were still really figuring stuff out. And so that's why we did it with a letter. I think I Googled like coming out templates and I found some blogs about what people said when they came out and we kind of came up with our own version of the letter. Do you want to, do you want to read it? I do. I think we should share it because maybe somebody needs a template. So let's put it on the website. And if you want to use it to help draft your own letter, I mean, feel free. This is what it said. Hello, this is a big newsletter from the Kramers. Have a seat. First off, Sarah and I are fine. Happy face. <laughs> this is difficult for me to write, but I wanted to share something that's going on in my life because I love and trust you and I know you love me. I'm writing to let you know that I'm a transgender person. I've known for a very long time and I've struggled for many years with my gender. With the help of Sarah and my therapist, I've come to terms with my place on the gender spectrum. I am now transitioning. I know this may seem shocking and that this may feel like it's coming from out of nowhere, but I want you to know that I'm okay. In fact, I've never been better. This is my coming out letter. In the very near future, I will be coming out to the world and living my life as female. I am still the same person that you have always known and loved. I'll just be living more authentically as the true me. As of right now, I will be going by the name Jerry with an I, and my pronouns will be changing to she, her. I know you may have slip-ups with my gender at first, and that's okay. If you do slip up, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Just correcting yourself is enough for me to see that you care about and respect who I am. My transition is not going to happen overnight, and some aspects may seem fast and some may seem slow. I ask for your patience and support during this time. 
I've included a few important links below for you to read. I would appreciate it if you read these before you ask us questions. And then we link to a couple of transgender FAQs on the GLAD website. If you feel like not responding right away, that's okay. Take as much time as you need. I understand that this is a lot to process. Sarah and I love you very much, and we are happy to answer questions or talk about my transition. But please know that some questions may be too personal, so we will let you know when a question is over the line. Lots of love, XOXO, Jerry and Sarah, and Walter. And then the little quote at the end, love is honoring the journey of another. And then we sent the email to our entire family and held our breath while we waited for their response. And my mom called me almost immediately. And she said she loved me and she supported me no matter what. She also said that she thought that I was going to say that I was gay, which is funny because that too. <laughs> yeah, we're gay for each other. So gay. What did it feel like when she got in touch with you so quickly? Amazing. It felt, it felt amazing. I can't. Ugh, like, ugh, it just felt so good. I, I, I just, I didn't imagine it was going to go that way. And Jamie was shocked. He had convinced me that everyone was going to leave me. And it's no, not a reflection on my, on my upbringing or my parents at all. Over my lifetime, I had convinced myself that no one would love me if I didn't present straight and cis. My parents were also immediately supportive and that shocked me for many reasons, but they were both really, really lovely over the phone. They didn't like that we had emailed them. They wanted us to talk to them about it in person, but I just told them, you know, like it wasn't up to me. It was your coming out story and that's how you wanted to do it. And then the rest of my family just sent us amazing supportive responses and it was so nice but I also, I don't know, I didn't trust it. I guess that's my inner Jamie turmoil telling me that no one will love me if I'm queer because with your coming out letter, it was kind of my coming out as well, even though we didn't really talk about it in the letter, but I've never really told anyone in my family that I was queer. I just figured that they knew and I still haven't really told them that I'm queer. Surprise, I'm queer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a relationship with a woman. I was kind of dizzy from all the love, actually. It was really nice. And then soon after we told our family, we sent out that same email to our chosen family, the friends in our lives who are our, our heart friends. And again, we were overwhelmed with love, which we again did not expect at all. Why do you think that is, Jerry? Like, we're, it's not like our friends are anti-queer. In fact, a lot of our friends are queer. I don't know. It's just all Jamie. It's all internal. It's the crushing weight of cis-heteronormativity. We feel like there's no way people will still love us after they find out how weird we are. We are weird, but we're wonderfully weird. Weird and beautiful. We sat in all that love and we marinated in it for a little while. And then I think we were going to wait for you to come out publicly. We were going to do it on Trans Day of Visibility, but it's the day before April Fool's Day. And if you follow me on social media, you know that I am the queen of April Fool's. I especially was just worried that people would think it was a joke. And so we didn't really have a planned date yet. We just, we didn't want to barrel through it. We just wanted to like really soak up all this love that we were getting from our, from our people. It was nice. We were living in this like nice place. The love of our families and our friends. It just felt, it felt super good. It felt so good. In fact, that I just woke up one morning came into your bedroom with, with a coffee and I said, today's the day. And I showed you what I'd written and then you helped me craft a really lovely social media post about it. 
I was so worried about the social media because it can be such a negative space and there's so many trolls out there. And I think we had decided that you weren't going to look at your phone all day once we'd done the post. So I could delete or ban anyone that said anything transphobic. I was so intensely worried that someone was going to say something um, hateful. And I was, I was kind of freaking out about it a little bit. I mean, I was scared too, but I think I was just, I just wanted to throw it out there because... I was feeling such little pockets of relief when we told people. I was like, let's just get it out and I will feel so much better. And I just feel like that relief that I was hoping to get, it just outweighed the fear. So what did the message say? The message said, hi, everybody. I have some good news to share. I'm a trans woman. I've known for a very long time and I've been fearful of sharing my true self. But with the help of a therapist, I've come to terms with who I am. I am now living as my true authentic self. My new name is Jerry with an I. My pronouns are she, her, and I know you'll probably slip up with my gender and that's okay. All I ask is that you try your best. I think it's important for me to let you all know that I'm doing great. Sarah and I are stronger than we've ever been and the tattoo shop is thriving. I also want to thank all of you for being kind and understanding and for helping create a shop environment that has allowed me to flourish. I've had a long time to process this and it's been a lot of work. I absolutely expect it will be the same for you. So take as much time as you need. I'll still be here crushing tats. And then I posted it. And then I went to get get ready for work. You took my phone away from me so that I wouldn't have to see any of the hate. And I just started refreshing the pages and refreshing the pages. And I just, I just waited for the, I waited for the hate. Sound engineering for this episode by Gavin Stacy. He's a peach. Hey, I want to tell you a little bit about GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D dot org. GLAAD rewrites the script for LGBTQ acceptance. As a dynamic media force, GLAAD tackles tough issues to shape the narrative and provoke dialogue that leads to cultural change. GLAAD has an excellent resource section. In the media section, they have a glossary of terms for transgender. The amount of clear and concise information on that page alone should help anyone who doesn't understand take a big step forward towards being an ally. It's not your responsibility to educate your friends and family, but if you'd like to send them a few links so that they can get started, this resource section on the GLAAD website is a good place to start. Thanks for listening. See you next time.